0: Titty, Yo. we're recording the conversation with you right now. Oh, are you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right.
0: Why don't you bring us in? Uh, go ahead and record a intro.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live from the 101 freeway in my wife's car because mine's broken down. <laughs> Let's get into it
0: from my iPhone. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a little too real. All right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Get Into It. I'm not going to say what episode it is, uh, David, Dave, because um, I don't know. It feels like, what are we going to be getting into? Like Episode 1050, it just seems silly. (laughs) We are broadcasting from the tequila room at Pink Taco, the historic Pink Taco, Sunset Boulevard. We got the Chateau Marmont. The Chateau Marmont. Um, A lot of celebrities have hung out there. A lot of celebrities have... uh, Died there. Ooh, it's a crazy place. Um, you know what's really cool is that they have a billboard right down the street. I would say a couple blocks of the expanding universe of Ashley Garcia. I've seen it, which is the show that Mario Lopez and myself are part of. And uh, it was kind of cool. You know, it's been kind of cool because I saw um, I saw billboards in Times Square. Right. I didn't. I mean, I wasn't there, but I saw. Our cast went to Times Square, and, and they had uh, digital billboards, all kinds of stuff going on.
1: Yeah. Um, Paulina and Bella took yeah. pictures in front of uh, Times Square and here.
0: It seems like it's doing pretty well.
1: Uh, the response I'm getting is pretty cool, man. It is, right? Yeah, Lots people of people like talking
0: it. about it. I'm excited about it. Um, well, uh, keep checking that out. Uh, what I want to I do an update on what I've been doing before I introduce our guest. Yeah, please. I have been putting my movie, one of my movies online for Google Play, for Amazon, and for iTunes. Right. And it's it, been interesting because I'm using Quiver, right? So I put it on Quiver, and I uploaded the movie. Right. Um, I uploaded the artwork recently. Nice. And it asked me if there I had a English subtitle. I didn't, but if you push a button, they charge you and they do it.
1: That's perfect.
0: Yeah. And then they said, do you have a Spanish subtitle? And I said, no, I do not. I pushed the button and they do it. And then they asked, do I have a Spanish dub? I pushed the button said, no. Right. And they said, we'll do it. Okay. So that cost, I think, is somewhere in the vicinity of $1,100. So it's
1: about 500 bucks a piece.
0: Yeah. That's so I'm doing that. And once I pushed all of those buttons, once I uploaded my artwork, which, by the way, is very specific Yeah. when you're putting on a streamer. Uh, and once I got the movie up, it, all the numbers, all, all the buttons went green.
1: Yeah. And they except. said,
0: yeah. And they said, give us a month and we're going to come back uh, to you and give you a release date. So perfect. the update is.
1: Can you say which one it is?
0: Which movie? Yeah. It's called Love and Betrayal. It's a true crime drama, uh, true story.
1: And um, uh, I'm out looking of, forward out to of Riverside,
0: correct? Yeah. Out of, oh, you're from Riverside. Absolutely. Did you know the story?
1: I heard about it uh, back when it happened. I didn't know the specifics, but I did. I know where the place is where it all went down. Yeah, where
0: it all happened. Um, Yeah, so hopefully in the next month or so, I'm going to get that out there, and I'll be able to report back how we're doing. David, David, and I, we have some plans um, to uh, blast it out on social
1: media. Yeah, we're going to do a little marketing plan. Get um, some
0: celebrity um, endorsements. And
1: also, we're going to blast it over there in Riverside.
0: We're going to blast it in Riverside. Yeah. That's going to be big. Well, thank you for that. Uh, okay. So here's the thing about the show. Let's get into it. Really gets deep into people's stories, people's journeys, where you came from, how you got where you, where you were going, uh, in the business. And those stories have been so interesting because it's never the same road. It's always, uh, remarkable left turn, right turn. You, you, some people even get stopped along the way. And make all kinds of different, um, have all kinds of different detours to getting where they end up. Um, Very true. Which is a big theme for me in the past month or so about not being stopped.
1: You know, I've seen you in action. Uh, oh yeah yeah, man yeah, it's, right? it's pretty it's pretty cool to see i mean hey you don't let anything stop you which is really really remarkable because a lot of people do get discouraged especially in this business thank you right thank away you.
0: yeah thank you for saying that and it's true you do you get stopped and you get discouraged and you stop moving but not being stopped is a big theme and the guy that's here today definitely has had a few resurgences in his life he's crossed continents yeah. <laughs> and made, made it happen in different countries and I would imagine that is a complicated thing to do so I want to introduce him and I want to, I want him to tell us a little bit about how he did it because he is currently the executive producer of Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings. On Disney Plus. On Disney Plus. This is not the first season, it's the second season, right?
2: It's the first season on Disney Plus. Okay. Which
0: is quite different
2: and unique compared to the old season, which was on Freeform. Got it. uh,
0: So this gentleman's name is Simon Lithgow.
1: Hey, Simon. (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey, welcome, Simon. Thank you for being here. It's, uh, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time. Yes, I I've, appreciate I think it. It's really you're, to be here. You're in a great
2: location, by the thank way. Thank you. This is the most uh, the, artistic tequila tasting room I've ever been in.
0: What's sad is that we can't drink any tequila. Unfortunately, I've had a, too many instances
2: with tequila, <laughs> and I promised myself I would never drink tequila again ever since <laughs> <laughs> November 4th, 2008.
0: Oh, now wow. now here's the thing is that he cannot tell us this story otherwise the secret service would run in here stop the podcast take the tape wow. it's actually true i did sign the official secrets
2: act that i couldn't technically talk about my instant with the secret service and senator mccain on election night with obama <laughs> okay so i
0: think you've gone too far <laughs>
2: probably have we, we can google I it can, they're, they're, <laughs> got,
0: okay
1: got some, okay don't google it sorry, yeah, don't google sorry. it you've
2: already got the nsa and cia trying to figure out where i am right now but you know everyone everyone
1: this is, everyone, this is like interviewing snowden yeah yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Everyone
0: has had their tequila story, but I have to say, most people I try to turn. After you told me your tequila story, I realized I'm not going to try. No, I, it's I, a I re- happy I'm going to. Re- I have a lot of respect for why you stopped drinking tequila, and I'm going. To, we're going to leave it at that. This is why I'm drinking vodka right now, as right. To, which is more Russian because I'll be living there next year.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
0: so, what I want to get into is. I want to, let's go backwards. We know you did Disney Fairytale Weddings, and we know it's a big hit.
1: Very proud of this. Big
0: show. It's the most beautiful, heartwarming show. People love shows about wish fulfillment. And I think in a lot of ways, when you watch Disney Fairytale Weddings, you think, wouldn't it be amazing if that was me? Wouldn't it be amazing if I got uh, proposed to on the Dawes Glacier (laughs) <laughs> well, yes, and which made it my life very,
2: very difficult because last year I proposed to the most beautiful lady, Raya Hudson, um, and guess what? She's comparing me to the shoot, the, st- the proposals we do on the show, <laughs> which are like sixty feet under the ocean, or on top of a glacier, or right. do a flash mob in Disneyland. Right. I'm like, I-, I-, I love her so much, but the chances of me actually doing a, a, that for a, my proposal was kind of impossible. But wait a
0: minute, <laughs> if you're the executive producer of one of the coolest wedding shows on television, you'd... One of the...
1: What do you mean one of I'm the? I'm sorry. you Thank you, Mark. If you're the executive producer of
0: the <laughs> most beautiful, popular show on television about weddings and proposals, are you saying that you didn't propose to Rhea, um on a glacier somewhere. I'm saying that unfortunately I didn't have the budget oh. <laughs> that I have on Disney's
2: Fairytale tale weddings. <laughs> all the team. I mean, you know, it's it's a team effort. We have the most amazing other executive producer Anne Lewis Roberts, who you may have heard of. Yes. And we I have an was. amazing art director and director, and all. we have a, It's not just me. It's a team of people who yeah. made that show. I did not have that team of people help. You didn't pull any food. favors. You didn't oh, I may any have pulled one or two favors. Okay, good. With right. my art director right. Max, who. who actually comes from you my my that's good friend right. max i've worked
0: with max on um, mexico's next top model yeah.
2: and he, we owe him so much for disney's fairytale
0: weddings really because, did he do uh, a good job
2: he's well you tell me look at the look at what he look oh, at that what the weddings look like yeah. i mean they're they're breathtaking the most beautiful things in the world and
0: you know he's a great story i should have him on he was yes being he is a great right? story because max he's is, come out he he came out came of latin america from, yeah
2: from nothing to uh yeah, yeah, to working with us. Yeah, so remarkable, he's be pretty impressive. <laughs> so
0: let's go backwards a little bit because obviously you've had enormous success, and you're a premier producer, and you have the skill that very few producers in this town have, uh, which is you have an amazing ability to produce music, as well as musical numbers. Um, and make them look amazing and sort of intermix them and intertwine them with a the show. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do. Where did you get your start? When? What, what's the earliest memory uh, that you have of wanting to be in show business?
2: Well, I can answer that very, very easily. Obviously, with my accent, you've probably figured out that I'm not from around Mexican. here. Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> Guatemalan. East L.A. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was born in England. Um, I had a stint in australia but i've been in los angeles since 2002 which is why my accent is so confused and please stop me if you need me to translate or use sign language please let me know <laughs> we close caption, yeah, okay. we close um, caption so no i was born in england and my earliest memory was when i was three years old um, going on set with my father uh nigel lithgow who was then the choreographer of the muppet show wow. oh wow and you know as a three-year-old going on a television set with multi-cameras and these puppets Miss Piggy and Kermit uh, and seeing them dance and seeing them alive immediately I knew exactly what I wanted to do there was no question about it and I you know my both my parents are workaholics I definitely got that from them as well we're very very dedicated to our you know craft if you want to call it a craft which it really is a craft Um, we work the most extreme hours and you know, for Disney's tale Weddings, most of the time we were working through the night. Right. We didn't sleep for days. Um, but wasn't it so worth it? And we yeah. love our jobs. That's why we do it. You have to love your job. Otherwise, you're not going to last in this business because, as you said earlier, this business is ups and downs. I may have worked on the number one show in the world, uh, American Idol, but my show afterwards was the biggest disaster on, in probably in Fox history. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's good and bad, and you just have to sustain and keep keep ploughing through.
0: While you were visiting your your father on the Muppets, what was your mom doing?
2: So, both my parents originally were dancers. My both of them then became choreographers. My dad went into television, uh, and in the UK, and choreographed the biggest dance company on television called the. Uh, the young generation, and he met my mother, who was a dancer on the young generation. Guess that wouldn't happen so much right now, you know. But back then, they they got married and uh, had me. uh, And then, um, so immediately as a child, I was surrounded by music because they were dancers and then choreographers. Uh, My mother went into theatre, my dad went into television. So at an early age, I could see how passionate they were about the, the business, and I obviously saw how happy they were working. I didn't have much choice. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. There was
0: no question. It's like in your DNA. For sure. Yeah. There was
2: no, I, I, there was no oh, well, let me go and become a real estate agent or let me try something else. It was a, I know exactly what I want to do. I, I've got, I, And the funny thing was, even from the early age days of the Muppets, I remember seeing, we call them floor managers in the UK. Here, they're stage managers in America. And I remember seeing the stage manager and he was the boss of the stage and of the Muppets. And on this he could direct their <laughs> actors and I was like, one day... I will be that person. I Damn you, Kermit. Manager. Yeah. And uh, to go on set, I needed permission off the stage manager. So I knew immediately that that was my goal in life was to become a stage manager from about three or four years old. Uh, and then I went into theater, became a stage manager when I was started work at 14 years old. Wow. Uh, and then uh, even though I was still at school, I was Wait, still in my whole. you were a
0: stage manager at 14? I that was assistant stage manager. Wow. By tough. 16, I was a stage manager. Wow. I, I was, I said,
2: I knew exactly what I wanted to do. There was no question. Okay, right. I actually started work illegally when I was 13 in a coffee shop, but we can't talk about that because I <laughs> still think the, the UK police are after me for working illegally. So
0: you were way ahead of it. You were there, you know, before you were 20, you were leading and uh, and running stages. And then I went to college when I was 17,
2: 18, but I was already working full time, uh, started off as a production assistant, which we call runners back in the UK. Uh, I started as a PA when I was 17 years old. By 18, I was assistant floor manager. By 19, wow. I was a floor manager. And then I went into scripted and immediately became a third. And then because the first quit, I went straight to become my wow. first AD. So by the time I was 20 years old, I was the youngest first AD in, in Britain, probably. Probably wow.
1: anywhere.
0: Uh,
2: the bad side about that was it's like, well, I've just achieved my goal in life. I'm yeah. only 20, 21 years old. What do I do
0: next? And you're making a bunch of money, I'm guessing.
2: I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, life was good. Um, but I was also like, I, I genuinely had almost like a midlife crisis, even at that young yeah. age going, well, I've done everything I achieved to do. I, I didn't have aspirations to direct or produce at that time, but I was like, I'm here. Now what? Yeah. Uh, wow. And everyone else that was also a first AD was 40 years old. Right. And here I am at 20. And I had PAs looking after me who just came out of university and they were 25. Ooh. And I'm running a set of 300 people. So it was, I, I was born to do it. It yeah. is the truth.
0: And what, what show were you working on, if you can remember, uh, around that time when you were nineteen twenty? 20? Uh, there was a
2: number of shows I was working on. The biggest one I worked on was a, a scripted show called Dream Team, which was, it was a, a soap opera around soccer. It was a teenage sort of... It would have been on... I, I can't think of an equivalent show that's on right now. Yeah. Um, it was... Shoot, I'm trying to think. There was no music involved, put it that way. But it no. was a scripted soap opera show that was a bit like Glee, I suppose. Okay. Replace replaced the music with football. Okay. So, uh, and soccer, when I talk about football. Right. Um, and that was on then Sky Network, which was the original, I suppose,
0: cable channels yeah. for the UK back in the day. It's, it's real, huge. still huge. It's still huge, Yeah. Um, so what what happened after that? So you sort of achieved your goal, you had done it you had done what you thought was everything. Then what what was the next step? So I worked on a series called
2: Gladiators. Over here it was called American Gladiators with the big muscly men. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I worked shows. on that in the UK. One of your favorite shows. Me too. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> remember no, the
0: blonde gladiator? What was her name? I don't know.
1: Blaze maybe. Blaze, yes. She there was, was I
0: all remember coming to America. is my first
2: time I came to America. And uh, there was a gladiator called Viper. And the crowd was shouting out, Viper needs a diaper, Viper needs a diaper. (laughs) And that was my first experience with an American crowd. And Gladiators, which we produced in the UK, was sold to Australia. And the Australian production company said, do you want to come to Australia and work on Gladiators in Australia for the Seven Network uh, for a month? Um, And I was actually about 20 years old at the time, maybe a little bit younger, actually. And... um, I accepted. The visa situation was very easy for me to move to Australia from the UK. So I moved over there for a month and stayed for a year. I loved it so much. much. And um, I went back to the UK for a short period and then moved permanently back to Australia uh, because the weather was wonderful. And there was great opportunities for me there as well because as an AD back there, there was such a small, and it sounds crazy, but it's such a small industry. I got to work in sport, in scripted, in... Reality television, it was also the birth of reality television in Australia. Mm. Because the technology had changed so much that now we were using something called AVIDs. You know, right. AVIDs are right. our computers. But before then, we didn't have AVIDs. We're, everything was tape, and you could never make those shows that we make now Yeah, when we were shooting on tape. It was the linear. Cost, yeah, it was linear. It was linear. Um, we, the cost of all those tapes and trying to figure out how to edit those shows was impossible, basically. So AVID was... Sort of birthed in that period in 1998, 1999. That's right, wow. um, Which is what uh, successfully made the reality shows as we see them now. Without Avid, there wouldn't be those reality shows. And I worked on a show for the Seven Network called Pop Stars, which was the
1: original, original American Idol.
0: Is that crazy? Man. Had you heard of Pop Stars?
1: I did. You did? I've heard of Pop Stars. Now that you mention it, yes, Yes, right? Uh Well, Pop Stars,
2: when I worked in Australia, we actually sold the format. It was more successful than American Idol and Pop Idol. Uh, It sold to 54 countries uh, around the world. Every one of those countries had a number one band and a number one album, a number one single. And it was sold to the United States as well. Unfortunately, the Americans produced it so poorly that it wasn't successful. Because in my opinion, Pop Stars should have been what happened with American Idol. Uh, But it didn't happen. Uh, They changed the format in so many ways that it just didn't work. And the big thing they were missing, obviously, was Simon Cowell.
0: Right. Mm. So you were on... So you're working on Pop Stars, which is really groundbreaking... No, one, no one's done this yet. No,
2: we we literally had producers, and it was such a cheap production. That you could never make that show in America for what we made it for in Australia. The producers were running around with cameras. We edited ourselves. Half wow. time we did our own audio. It really was an amazing to be a producer. You learn every stage of production mm-hmm. in Australia because there was such a cheap production. But we introduced it, home stories. We're the first show to ever have go back to someone's hometown and see where they're from and see what they do for a living. Wow. So you care about them before we. Sing or before what it, you know before the Simon Cowell equivalent, you know destroys them or makes them the next
0: superstar. Were there judges? There were three judges. Holy mackerel! This sounds exactly like a show I know.
2: And the original Simon Cowell was a guy called Chris Moss who worked at Warner Music Australia, and he was the first person. That we had open auditions. We're the first show to ever do open auditions where anybody can turn up and sing uh, in Australia, and. You know, we expected 50 people, 3,000 turned up mm. uh, And there was only like four producers going, uh, we don't know what to do. <laughs> wow. How do we handle this? Yeah. Uh, and we had this guy called Chris Moss who stood for, stood up basically. Someone would come out and sing and he turned around and went, wow, you really sound like I'm strangling a bunch of cats. <laughs> and he, those were his very words. And wow. that was the birth of the nasty judge of let's tell someone they really suck.
0: Yeah. And was it controversial? Was it
2: popular? Like, it Both? was the number one show in Australia by a landslide. Wow. It was, Suddenly we went as a television show. We took the Seven Network, which was the number two network for its history of television in Australia, suddenly became the number one network. The series got obviously commissioned immediately for a second series. They commissioned another a bunch of episodes in the first series, and it just went gangbusters. It was on the front page, you know, that water cooler effect? Yeah. And no television show had ever really done that
0: yeah. in yeah. Australia. Wow. An Australian production in Australia. That's amazing. So, so you do Pop Stars. It's an enormous success. You take a network to number one. Now, there's no American Idol, and I know that you worked on American Idol, and I know that your father worked on American Idol. So, where's the jump from Pop Star to American Idol? How does that happen?
2: That's a funny story too, because at the time I was working with a company called Screen Time, who produced Pop Stars. And we were looking at selling it to the old company I work with, Sky, a network, a cable network, I suppose, is the equivalent in the UK. And my father came over to visit me in Australia, and I literally said, you've got to buy this show for the UK. My dad at the time was the head of ITV, or London Weekend Television, as it was at the time, and I gave him the the old VHS tapes and said, take these back with you, you want to make this in the UK, you don't understand how this show has changed Australian television. We've basically made the pop stars the saying which is like a 1980s saying we've reinvented pop stars and we've created a group that's in australia as big as the spice girls wow. you know that's what the, the premise was was let's launch our equivalent of the spice girls so we had a group called bardo and they went straight to number one and series two had another wow song. um and it was huge and as i said it after the success in australia we sold all around the world and it sold in the U.K. to my dad. And he made himself the nasty judge and became Nasty Nige in the <laughs> nasty U.K. Nasty Nige. Uh, and then from there, Pop Stars were so successful in the U.K. That the man who created the Spice Girls, Simon Fuller, came to him and said, let's form our own company uh, with my father, Nigel, and let's make Pop Stars into a pop idol. And this time... Let's make rather because in pop stars the three judges decide who wins, and the phone voting had come in, and he basically said Simon Filler said, and Nigel, my dad said, let's let's find the pop idol and make a phone vote, and let England decide, or I should say the UK decide, who is the pop idol?
0: And that's how it happened. That's how Pop
2: Idol began, and then um, obviously the success of Pop Idol outshone Pop Stars, uh, with with people voting and it was all that kind of stuff, and then. They pitched it to the United States and every network said no. I know this story
0: because that's that's the classic story about American Idol, right? Is that it was just not it was not that popular as an idea.
2: Well, at that time, the United States, the networks were very close to outside productions, quite right. honestly. Uh, they were very introvert. America was like, we've got what we do. We have our agent system. We have our development departments. Why would someone, a producer from the UK, tell us how to make a television show? And uh, it was actually Elizabeth Murdoch in the UK who was running Shine at the time called up her dad, Rupert, at Fox and said, you've got to buy this show. You have got to, You don't understand. The UK has gone crazy. On the front page of every newspaper is not the news. They're talking about Pop Idol
0: mm-hmm. and the launch
2: of the new band called Hearsay at the time. And so, so let me ask
0: you before you go yeah. on. Uh, in Australia, you did Pop Star, And the winner of Popstar, they, they became a big group. They became the number one group, number, number one, one album,
2: group. number one single. And wow.
0: then, when it got made in the UK, did that
2: group become then? In every single country, the pop stars bar one, which was uh, Denmark, I believe, every single country had a number one album, number one single, number one band. In
0: that's remarkable. This is
2: this is fifty-four countries, and that was that's when I left. So I don't even know how many countries it was ended up being made in. including China, including Vietnam, Russia. Wow, Italy, that's remarkable. France pick a country so uh, it worked brazil argentina they all had including the united states they had a group
0: nicole scherzinger was You're in right. it she yeah. actually won pop one.
2: stars and they became a number one selling single and album
0: that's remarkable so when did simon cowell come into the picture
2: that's an interesting story originally my dad Nigel was looking for that nasty judge uh, he already knew Simon Cowell at the time. He repped the Spice Girls, and he's looking for an A&R person uh, in the music industry. And Simon Cowell looked at pop stars and went, "This is never going to work. It's not going to be successful. Pop stars is so 1980s." And so Simon Cowell said no to pop stars, <laughs> which created Nas- my dad, Nasty Nigel. And as soon as Pop Stars was successful in the UK, Simon Cowell went, "I've made a terrible mistake. I should have said yes." Along comes Simon Fuller. There's too many Simons in this show, including my own There's a lot of Simons (laughs) there. Look, in England, everyone's either called Simon or Nigel. You can't go wrong with one of those names. We're going to be called one or the other. So Simon Fuller came along with my dad. They made Pop Idol. Uh, And what happened was um, Pop Idol, they had to make Pop Idol different from Pop Stars. So they went back to Simon Cowell and said, would you be a judge on this show, Pop Idol? Because at the time, when I was working in Australian Pop Stars... The production company basically sued my father and sued the network what? saying, pop idol has destroyed pop stars. you've checked, you've ripped off our format and we're going to sue you for it." Uh, they ended up settling out of court and it ended up sort of all going away because the format was different enough. there is quite a substantial differences in them. Um, obviously the vote is a huge difference and there's a studio element to American Idol or you know pop Idol right. which didn't pop stars didn't have. pop stars was much more of a reality show following the band and
0: everything. There's, like that. A com- there's a common denominator, though, and that's you. Okay. you, see, you right? Well, there is that. <laughs> exactly. There is that. That's so, a little I mean. complicated, I would think. So right? Simon Cowell was
2: actually born out of the necessity to make Pop Idol different from Pop Stars. Got and him. Nasty Nigel couldn't do both shows right. because it was too similar. So then Simon Cowell did Pop Idol. He did Pop Idol. That was where, he, he, it, that's where it all began for Simon Cowell. Uh, then they sold American Idol, and Simon Cowell didn't originally want to come to do American Idol. He was like, "It's never going to work. Americans are different." Did Fox want him? Not really. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Not interesting. Really at the yeah, time. Interesting. No, they were like, "Okay, it was actually uh, my father and his partner, Ken Warwick. They were fighting for no. America needs a oh look another British villain who's going to tell him like it is. Talk <laughs> of okay. stereotyping people. Why are all the Brits always the villains?
0: That's so right.
2: <laughs> they uh, they wanted Simon Cowell, um, my dad, and, and Ken, and they fought for him. Uh, and at the time, his salary was a measly, peedle, you know, nothing. Right. And because because of that, he would only sign up for one year on his contract. Fox only wanted him for one year, which meant when season two came around for American Idol. And we literally went to New York City. This is a great example. In New York City season one, there was like 50 or 60 people turned up to audition. For season two, we turned up and there were 9,000 people outside our oh hotel room. And we had the police out there saying, what are you doing? We're shutting you down. <laughs> And wow. there was three producers myself, a guy called uh, Patrick Lynn and uh, another producer Rhonda Shea, going, "I don't know what we do." I mean we had one security guard for three thousand no we sorry, we only had wristbands <laughs> we had wristbands for fifteen hundred people three over three days we were going to audition five hundred people a day. We had nine thousand people lying oh up outside God. our bedroom door wow. so what were, so we ended y- up seeing three thousand out of the nine thousand oh, it was, it was a disaster oh, we had As we were trying to audition these people, we had people holding banners saying, Fox sucks. We had people saying, false advertising, because you said open auditions. Oh, no. And there was three of us with 9,000 people.
0: Whoa. And was this... uh, There was no judges at this uh, audition. No. So we had to... We literally
2: invented on American Idol a new way to audition people because you have to understand this is before Skype. This is before internet. This is before you could video yourself on an iPhone yeah. or anything like that. This is, we still got regular cell phones and we had to go to the people to audition for us. Right. Uh, back in those days. It's different how the auditions work now. Yeah. Um, but back then it was, uh, it was a disaster. What can I tell you? The, the, the season two of American Idol auditions were a disaster. We learned the hard way in season three. We, we rented stadiums yeah. and we filled them. Wow. Yeah. There was We auditioned over 100,000 people a season. Wow. <laughs> it was a very different show. That, that's, I mean, that's how big the show got. So
0: each time it grew. Uh,
2: I, I think, yes. And it peaked. And I want to say in season, Carrie Underwood's year was pretty impressive. It was actually the following year after Carrie Underwood was probably the largest crowd we got uh, and we we had to, as I said, change and invent a new way to audition people yeah. because there's no way you can audition 150,000 people. But
1: that was already six seasons in, or so, right? She was actually season four, okay, um, and season
2: five, Taylor Hicks, Taylor, and then season seven with the. I'm just talking about auditions here. Yeah, the biggest amount of crowds we saw was right. season six and seven. Wow.
0: So, I mean, you know, look, we're talking about. One of the biggest shows in television history. On Earth. You know, well. things. Uh, this is a show that changed uh, and I, television.
2: And I don't. It's not only just television. I don't think people even appreciate what American Idol did. This is crazy, but we taught people how to text each other. Right. And literally, Ryan Seacrest went. This is how you text America. Yeah. He held up the right. iPhone and went, or before then, it even before an iPhone. Right. So this is how you text. So uh, yeah. I'd like to say you're welcome, America, but I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it changed everything. I sort of thought about looking back on, on American Idol was, was the timing. I think timing in this business is everything. Absolutely everything. You can have the best idea, but it doesn't make any difference unless the timing is right. And I think American Idol, the reason it was so successful, is 9-11 had just happened. And I think the American psyche had been knocked. Suddenly the mainland's under attack. The American dream is under attack along comes a show like American Idol and it's a you can be turning burgers one minute and in three months time you'll be on the front cover of Rolling Stones magazine yeah. in six months you're going to have a platinum selling album and a record deal and guess what America decided and they put you there that's true that's the American dream right there from rags yeah. to riches and along came the show at the timing that was absolutely perfect to a a bunch of networks and agents that said this show's never going to work. And because of that, I think they'd had this idea of what was what works and what doesn't work comes the creative show that goes, you know what? Let's show these people who Carrie Underwood is and that she comes from this small country town called Dakota. and guess what? She can sing and she's amazing. And the biggest surprise to all of us was, thank God for Kelly Clarkson. Right. Because what a voice that lady had. The last person to audition in... Texas as a cocktail waitress. Right. That to me still has one of the most amazing angelic voices I've ever heard in my life. Absolutely. Well, I, I've heard a few voices in my time. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, she has a beautiful voice. She has a wonderful presence, and she has a really good ability to pick songs. I don't know about the one that won the show. That was always my least favorite Kelly Clarkson song. I don't know if you have a story about that. No but comment. That, yeah, that was definitely my least favorite. <laughs> Official Secrets <laughs> covers that one as well. But. She has picked a lot of great songs. I don't know how people do that. I don't know how they pick songs, but somehow she's picked things that fit her. And she has, uh, I don't know, she's, I'm, I'm assuming she's exceeded expectations.
2: Oh, she's also one of the most down-to-earth people I know. She's such a sweet, yeah. lovely lady. Uh, and she stayed that way. She's still that Texas person we met all those years ago. She's a really... You know, I really love Kelly. I've got a big soft spot for her. She's well,
0: I, I, you know, you, you've said so much. I want to congratulate you on so far where we're at because that's a pretty amazing career. It's a team effort. Well, I don't know. You, it's, it's you, 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 ju- you grabbed your bags and moved from Look, country to country. Without Kelly
2: Clarkson, American Idol wouldn't have been what right. it was. Without Ruben right. Studdard. And what a great thing that American Idol did was bring families together. Right. Family television was almost reinvented, yeah. and everyone had their favorites. And what a great thing that Ruben Studdard and Clay Aiken could stand up there and get four times the amount of votes the President of the United States got.
0: <laughs> Wow. That's yeah, true. That's interesting. Wow. You know, Ann's going to hate that I'm telling this story, but we got married in 2002, <laughs> and I don't know who was on American Idol in 2002. All I know is that we Clay were— Clay Aiken and Ruben Studdard. Okay, so we were in Hawaii on our honeymoon, and we were on a uh, day trip of Oahu— Right, taking the drive, and all we could think about is how do we get back to the house by seven p.m. so we could watch American Idol tonight. Wow! And we did; we made it somehow. We rushed, we got some food, we ran back, and the honeymoon trip. We had to watch that American Idol on Tuesday. I think I don't remember what night it was. It may, it may have been a Tuesday, but um, but we had to watch it. It was absolutely something that was part of our lives, and we had to see it. Otherwise, we felt like something was missing. Well, and
2: Lewis Roberts failed to mention she was a fan of the show, so that makes me feel very humble. Oh producer. my
0: gosh. Well, apparently you were producing that, that year, so that, that's amazing. And it was a very
2: surreal experience because you didn't really know how big the show was. I mean, you get the figures, right? We were averaging 32 million. The second show behind us was averaging 8 million. So we were, we, I knew that's we were hit. successful. But until we, you know, I went back to Clay Aiken for his top three home story when you take him back and they close the streets. And uh, Carrie Underwood is another whole story because that was insane. There was uh, this small town with no stop so- with one stop sign, and thirty thousand people turned up to see her. There was only like eight hundred people lived in a village.
0: <laughs> one stop sign but on the
2: plane, I remember city. with Clay Aiken, we flew back, and uh, the Durham Bulls baseball team. And you know, I'm, I'm off. at the time I'm, I was very not American, put it that way. So I was English Australian, whatever you want to call me. Now I'm American. I'm proud to say I'm a very I'm American now. But back then I was very foreign, and I land. In a baseball stadium, uh, the Durham Balls uh, in North Carolina, so to watch Clay throw out the first pitch at this game. Now, I watched him throw out the first pitch, and then everyone left the baseball t- stadium. <laughs> they only came to see Clay throw a baseball pitch, they didn't oh, come to watch the baseball. Wow. And there was like 20 people left in the stadium that had filled up with 30,000 people and they all to see him throw the pitch. And then we went over to the governor's mansion to reveal what song he was singing on the finale. And we were driving through thousands and thousands of people trying to get to the governor's mansion. Whoa. And that was my wake-up call of this show is something that I have never experienced in my life, and will probably never experience ever again. Right? Because television is not the same as it used to be. Now we're streaming; it's a very different kettle of fish. Whole other thing. A whole other thing. And uh, yeah, it was. It was truly. You know, a highlight of my life. I'm so blessed to have been part of something
0: so amazing. And we're lucky that we got to witness it, really. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, let's give credit where credit is due, though, okay? Okay. Understanding that your father is a juggernaut. He's, uh, he's done amazing work. Let's just say you have done your own thing, and for all intents and purposes, you discovered American Idol. We're saying it here. Well, I
2: appreciate it. Yep.
0: Because te- it was on. a team effort and it was, of course it, was. it always is but you've, you've paved your road on your own and you've done a great job
2: um, you know you give me a lot of credit for as I said it is a team effort and I do have to say that in any job I've always done I've always just tried to do the best I can do right. uh, and I know it sounds silly I always give a bit of my soul to whatever show I work on right. and uh, I think it came across in American Idol it comes across in Disney's Fairytale Weddings and that is a bit of me on that screen, and a bit of everyone else. And I, and I expect that of the people I work with as well. And you just pour your soul into this show because it does take over your life at the end of the day. And American Idol did. Uh, we were on the road for six months of the year traveling the country or holding auditions. And we become a big family. Uh, the people you work with, the contestants you work with as they go on. I'm still friends. In fact, one of my dearest friends is Jasmine Trias, who came third on American Idol and season three. That's right. She just performed on Disney's Tale Weddings for me. Oh, did she? Yeah, oh, that's cool. She's Hawaiian. We had a Hawaiian episode. I bring her back on. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's who you enjoy working with, who you, you know, you have to love the people you work with, Yeah. because otherwise life is just too short. Right. You don't want to work with anybody that's you don't like working with.
0: Well, so one thing I know, one thing I know about Disney Weddings is that you've brought an element of music to it. Of performance, of high level talent, and it's just great to see because you think about American Idol and you think about those great performances and how they were covered, um, and you can feel there are moments in Disney fairy tale weddings where uh, you know there's a performance and you feel you feel a lot of great energy about it. One of the things I've realized over the years
2: uh, in my career is that people don't really watch television. They listen to television. Right. And it's even more so true now because how many times you sit in front of the TV, you've got your iPad sitting on your lap, yeah. you've got your phone in your hand, and you're researching stuff on Wikipedia. I know I do it every other day. Uh, you're looking up stuff as you're watching television. So people listen to television, and that shows me that how important music is to a wedding, to quite actually any scene in a film, any scene on anything... The music drives it. The impact, the sound effects. The music tells you, in a way, how to feel. And that's why American Idol, one of the reasons American Idol was so successful, is the music touched your soul and you got into the music and it got you excited. Uh, It can make you cry. I mean, who hasn't got that song that's got those memories attached to it, that's got a story attached to it, Mm. that really touches you? And that's what we did with American Idol, and that's exactly what we do with Disney's Fairytale Weddings, which is mm-hmm. why music to me, when we first did the first special, uh, and I was like, originally, the format of Disney's Fairytale Weddings was, just follow the staff backstage, and we're going to follow them as they make a wedding. And I was like, no thanks, that sounds really boring. How about, with Disney's Fairytale Weddings, we give the bride and groom their fairy tale, and how about we take it one step further, find out what the fairy tale is, and say they want to walk down the aisle to... uh, They love the film Grease. Let's get Olivia Newton-John singing there live. How are they going to react to that? Because we can pick a great song, Olivia's going to whatever she's going to sing, but we specifically cater it to that wedding couple and make sure the music connects with the viewers at home, and then we have got a winning combination and a great show.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, you... As you mentioned before, you and ALR...
2: And (laughs) Louis Roberts.
0: And Louis Roberts... uh, Produced the show together and I think you know the combination of you guys has just made obviously made a great show um, when you did the original program I think I, she said to me that you were having the Pentatonics on I mean I'm a big fan of the Pentatonics. you wouldn't think so but I am and I couldn't believe it I was like how are you getting the Pentatonics on the show and she was like Simon. Simon knows them, and they're going to be on the show, and, 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 and then that sort of set the tone for, I suppose, what was coming next.
2: Yeah, I mean, relationships in this business, as you know, is everything. It's who you know. It's not what you know. You can go and study in film schools and go to universities. It all helps, but the truth is that if you don't have the relationships, Very you're true. going nowhere, yeah. and I started such an early such an early age, and thankfully, having American Idol as a, on my resume, as it were, you know, you get a respect for that. I've created some yeah. great artists, some great shows. I've worked with big talent. How did you work with Pentatonix? Um, I'd actually worked with their producer oh. um, beforehand, so I got an introduction from their producer. Yeah. And I'd actually never performed with them until Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings. But the producer had a respect for me, yeah. and he, I told him what I wanted to do with the show, and I told them about the fairy tale. And the couple in question was a huge fan of theirs. Um, I was a huge fan of the song Hallelujah uh, myself. And Great I just song. knew it was yeah. it's one of my favorite songs of all time. And I knew it was for a lot of other people. So that's why I produced it so it would go that way, that direction with that song, uh, with Pentatonix. Uh, and then I actually approached them, the management. Of course, they immediately said yes because I had a relationship with them. And I was like, please do me this one favor. I promise you I'll make it look good. And then I didn't tell anyone at Disney. Because I was actually fearful that they'd say, no, this is a reality show, not a performance show. And, but uh, you
0: had a gut feeling it was going to be great, right? Well, I
2: always knew it was going to be great. That's just from my own experience. Right. From, I know what I could do with the show right. and I knew what I already had a vision in my head of how to direct it and how to make it look spectacular. I'd already had it all mapped out in my head before I approached Disney, but I almost left it too late for them to say no. Right. I'd already signed up the band I'd got the set built and I knew everything was going to happen and then I literally a week beforehand I was like <laughs> and by the way uh, as she walks down the aisle you know she's walking down the aisle to Pentatonix we've cleared the music and we've done all the right things uh, Pentatonics will be singing it live and I just saw their faces just like I'm sorry what? and it was a it was a little bit of a battle not much of a battle but it was a battle to say yeah no they're coming I've already booked them uh, and then what came of it was, obviously, was now everybody, everybody now everyone on the wedding is like, can I please have Sting at my next wedding? I'd like Rune bro- 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 5. <laughs> but
0: that goes to show you, you know, it's, it speaks volumes for you as a professional, uh, the respect that you have, because you don't just get the pentatonics, you know, you don't just get um, artists that you don't know personally. Through a producer, unless that producer respects you a lot, so hats off to you. You've Thank obviously you. done it correctly. You've obviously done it with integrity. Otherwise, that doesn't happen. Oh
2: no, I really care for my artists. I make yeah. sure their music is treated with the respect it deserves, and I make sure they're happy. Um, and you know, success breeds success. Oh, great! Uh, in this country, uh, amazing.
0: We- I want to hear. We got. I want rat- to. I want you to rattle off the artists that have been on Disney Fairytale Weddings because this is impressive. Can you, do you remember? I do. Okay, Tommy, um, come on. We,
2: the, oh, goodness me. I'm not even sure I can reveal all of them because they haven't, they haven't aired yet. Oh, okay. Let's, let's reveal but, early uh, on. Uh, Jason Drulo. <coughs> Jason Drulo. <coughs> Did, Drulo. Didn't, That's didn't a big them? one. Uh, we had uh,
0: Olivia Newton-John. Olivia Newton-John. She's, she's huge. A, she's
2: wonderful. Yeah. And she's such a pleasure to work with and got to be the loveliest lady on the planet, or at least one of the loveliest ladies. Yeah. The
0: Aren't they all streaming
2: or do they come out every week? so they're streaming every week they come out every Friday at the moment so tomorrow you get episode number four
0: okay you get an idea of what's coming yeah right by Jason Derulo Olivia Newton-John and the Pentatonics. and we
2: try to keep it I know it sounds silly you can get the names we try to keep it specific for that couple um, we had Hunter Hayes as our country art. We had a country fan who was a big fan of Hunter Hayes, and they go up to their first dance, and without them knowing, the curtains apart, part. So they start dancing, and they're dancing to their favorite song, and the curtains part, in the middle of the song, Hunter Hayes comes out and sings it live for them.
0: I'm, I'm nice. pretty sure that if I was getting married and you had some performer that I didn't know, I'd be pretty bummed. So it, it makes <laughs> sense, that, right, that you will have performers that these guys sort of they tell you right and it's not always performers
2: like we had a couple that loved uh, hockey so we got them the
0: stanley cup to be
2: at their wedding as they danced around it for their first dance they they were they were, were they crazy oh were my they God, their reaction was insane <laughs> that's um, so we great had, uh, the biggest reaction was in episode one of this series uh she grew up next to the ohio sorry i have to say it right the ohio state band you have to put the in there it's very right. important apparently but we got the Ohio State Band there to come out as they, they literally said, I do and I do at the wedding. And the Ohio State Band comes out of nowhere and this lady had a meltdown. Just, she just got married and she was died. It was the, it was the most wonderful reaction.
0: This is truly Disney fairy tale weddings. I mean, it's a fairy tale. These people get, uh, not only performances or, or, uh, performers that they love or songs that they love but you get the stanley cup you get the
2: ohio state band you
0: get the yes. ohio state band which is exactly. pretty amazing so what an amazing show congratulations what a cool thing to be part oh, I of it. right it's i'm very proud of it it's just one of those
2: and this you know with everything else falling apart with viruses here and the, the elections here and it's just like let's just watch some beautiful television that's heartwarming and brings a family together again and that's what we did with American Idol. That's what I try and do with Disney's Fairytale Weddings. And it's not, you know, you think weddings, you go, oh, it's a chick flick. That's kind of probably shouldn't say that, but <laughs> um, but it's not actually. Right. It's a it's a family show, and every television show I try to produce, I'm like, you know, what brings a family together? Where we can sit together and
1: just enjoy television again. Well, if I ever plan to get married, just oh yeah, up, have uh, Morrissey on deck, yeah. <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs> Morrissey. That's <Yeah>. all <laughs> that's you don't all. want much.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, so I, I have to talk to you about something. Um, we are big fans of a company called ExtremeMusic.com. Uh, me too. Are you? I'm probably a bigger fan than you. <laughs> Likely. Um, <laughs> Russ Emanuel, who started the thing, has uh, been doing it for a lot, a lot of years, um, has, as you know, an amazing array of composers that write music in all level, all different genres. Now... I did, prior to the show, know that American Idol, on occasion, used extreme music. Explain to me how that happens.
2: Well, when you watch any of my shows, to be honest with you, I've worked with extreme music libraries since I came to the United States. Uh, we use them... going to say? God, I sound so old when you say this. <laughs> but it's like the birth of the internet, um, when we used to be able to stream music, and Napster came out, and this came out, and... Um, you know, on any television show, you have to, in America, at least, not in other countries, by the way, but in America, you have to license every single song you use. So you go to a music library and you put on whatever music makes you feel, as I said, how important music is to me. Music is everything to me. Yeah. It makes you cry. It makes you feel like a wedding. It makes you want to walk down the aisle. It makes you want to celebrate whatever it is. Music is the driving force behind television. And on American Idol, You want a country song where Carrie Underwood from from in Chicago, Oklahoma, then I'll put on a country song. And the place I used to go to for that was Extreme Music Library because they had the best, biggest library that could go, I need a country song. And it was, for me as a television producer, you just, you buy the library and then everything is, as far as I'm concerned, technically free. And what a great library they had. So it started with um, American Idol and then I went on to work with Steven Spielberg and Mark Burnett on another show called On The Lot uh, and they used that library. And so I became a big fan. And they've got the great system of just go online and say, hey, I want something that sounds like uh, Star Trek. And next thing you know, they'll send you back 10 songs yeah. that sound similar to it that you can own, basically, or put on your TV show without having to pay a fortune for it. Right. So I've used it on every production of, since I've come to the United States to you, meet this guy, Russ, because I think he needs to buy we, me a drink or yeah. something. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> I think he owes you. Hey, Russ,
0: listen up, buddy. you got to come down here and buy some drinks.
2: But what you don't know is on Disney's Fairytale Weddings, obviously I get the reports on the show and people asking questions and what people think of it. Everyone asks us, where is this track? I want to buy this track. And if it's not, you know, if it's not the celebrity singing like um, Chris Jansen or or Pentatonix or, you know, Jason Derulo, then it's off Extreme Music Library. Wow. And everyone asks me, where's this track from? As she walks down the aisle. Because we don't want to pay, you know, a lot of brides use this music to walk right. down the aisle. We're like, we're not going to pay that for this. We'll use Extreme Music Library. we normally typically, actually, I want to say a 100% of the time, take off that music and put on our own music. And our own music is Extreme Music Library. Nice. And then we get calls up people saying... Where's this music from? I want to buy it. They want to get married to it.
0: Actually, it's Extreme Music Library. You can't,
2: you can't get it like
0: that. We've been preaching this for a long time. I mean, I've used it. I've used Extreme in my, in my movies. I've used Extreme. All the entire library was used on uh, Mexico's Next Top Model. Uh, and you know, it's funny because, and and I'm guessing that you're like this too. I love driving music. I love music that feels like it's taking you somewhere. And when I did uh, Mexico's Next Top Model, it, had to drive because it was like a catwalk you know they were always like performing and taking pictures and it had to feel like you were going somewhere and extreme really did have so many tracks that i was like wow this is amazing um i feel like i have found everything every type of music that i want to find so i'm really glad you said that thank you for um for spending some time on that because uh i think it's interesting and i re- actually you know if i was going to give some advice to our sponsor i'm going to say Maybe you should make the songs, especially the ones that are on the wedding show, available because it sounds like people may be getting married to these yeah, tracks right. in the future. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> ExtremeMusic.com for all your music needs. All right. Simon? We're pitching it tonight. Extreme Dating. Let's do it. Sold. Can we get anne Lewis Roberts involved, please? Yeah, please. I mean, you've had a storybook career.
2: Yeah, with its, I know it sounds crazy. It sounds really successful. I've also had the darkest days when you suddenly right. can't sell a show for three years. Right. Um, it's, it's the strangest business. There is no rhyme or reason. The key to it is consistency and just putting up with the bad
0: times because the good times are around the corner. When you're successful, and I think this is for most of us, uh, you have a short memory about what was going wrong, don't you?
2: Yes, <laughs> that's, that's a very simple answer. That one. Yeah.
0: What, what do you mean? Something went wrong. Nothing went wrong. Nothing talking went about wrong. But it, but know. you do. So there there have been ups and downs in your career, but it really, the peaks of it show and are very bright. Yeah,
2: I've, I've been very. I've had a very blessed life, and I've, I've really enjoyed the peaks, the, the downs.
0: Yeah, Disney Fairytale Weddings is, is is an amazing show. It's beautiful. It's so well produced, and uh, congratulations on that. I hope Thank you guys it. get to do. Ten more seasons of I'm that. I'm very
2: proud of it. I'm very proud of it.
0: What's next? So right now,
2: I'm actually working on a pilot for CBS uh, with John Legend, is our partner on it. And uh, I'm very, very excited about it. It's, called it's a-
0: weird that it's John Legend, considering you're not really that involved with music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get him on Disney's fairytale Wedding Season 3. Are you? Oh, wow. That'd well, if cool. we season three, I'd love if it, If you're yes. working with them, right. Yes. Um, well, and what's, can you talk about that show that you're developing? Uh, I can, developing? actually, yeah, because it's it.
2: called Love at First Song, and it's American Idol. I say it's American Idol meets The Bachelor, but it's not really The Bachelor. I find The Bachelor a little bit corny, and I'm trying to avoid that. But we're going to try and find the next great American duo with chemistry to make the next superstar.
0: And who better than uh, you and John Legend? that's he's a, amazing
2: he's, he's a legend that guy <laughs> he really is
0: he's tremendous uh, well we wish you tons of luck break, yes. break legs and, um, and you know we, obviously you're in mid-career so we can't wait to see what else you do I'm sure it's going to be terrific let me ask you a question before I let you go what do you think of the landscape now I mean it's obviously changing at you know light speed like every year it's some other way of watching media how has that changed how you create shows? It's actually
2: changed a lot of how I've created shows. And we were the first show on Disney Plus that's a reality show. Like we call ourselves a reality show, but we're sort of a we're a hybrid show. Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings is a hybrid show between talent, a performance show, and a, and a reality show. And we were the first sort of transition between a cable network on Freeform to a streaming network. And I learned a lot from that. And I actually think we're living in a golden age of television right now, yeah. which, you know, God bless television right now because it's quite fantastic how budgets are, how streaming works, and we get to pick and choose what we want to watch. That's never happened in our, our lifetimes until now. And I think when I grew up in the 70s and 80s, there was a television period in the late 70s and eight, early 80s that was called Classed as the Golden Age of Television. And then budgets could come back and the accountants take over and how can we make more money? Right now, that doesn't matter. Right now, it's content is king That's by exactly a long, right. long way, and I think it's the most amazing time to be living and producing
1: television in this. And it doesn't. Town it doesn't right even now. have to be television. It can be um, anything. Anything. Opportunities
2: YouTube. are everything right now for a creative person like me. Which the end goal to me isn't actually money. The end goal to me is to make the best television I can make and entertain the most amount of television people viewers I can make and just make the best craft I can make. At the end of the day, the money will come second. It doesn't matter about the money. It's about viewers and entertainment, right? Yeah. We are in that golden age. Uh, and Freeform originally, who let Anne and myself just gave us Disney's Fairytale Weddings and said, go off and make the show. Yeah. We didn't have a huge budget on Freeform, but we had enough to make it successful.
0: Yeah.
2: And Kerry just let us make that show and then it was so successful that it went to disney plus and disney plus we were the first i said we were the first show to launch on disney plus in that reality performance area Mm. and because it was in that infant stage disney plus went here's your money go make the show and we did and i think it really shows well
0: huge huge shout out to carrie mccool for sure because she's a enormously talented uh executive uh i know she Work closely with my wife for years and years on many things and I know that you guys are friends uh, but I do know that she's a big reason that Disney Weddings is on the air so definitely want to shout out to her and look, you're on the show today, uh, we're talking about you and although it feels like we're ignoring a lot of people, that's not true at all. I think that we all understand that lots of people have to do with the success of shows so we want to Absolutely give credit to everyone who works on these programs, but today's about you, and you've had a great career, my friend. Yep. Thank you. Um, Quibi. Yes. Do you think there's any possibility that you could do a performance-type show that would air on Quibi? Absolutely. Really? Yes. Well, I'd like to see that, because I don't have time for a weekly one-hour program about singing. I'd like to see it on Quibi. Yeah. Just saying,
2: uh, I completely agree with you, and I've already got
0: things in, in the head here that I cannot wait because that—that I'd like to see. I, I just don't—I don't have yeah. time for an I, hour of it. Unfortunately,
2: anymore. I think I say unfortunately, I do mean unfortunately because I think Quibi and those kind of programming and YouTube is the future. Yeah, that with the younger generation, with our attention spans and what goes on, I think fifteen minutes, five minutes of television is—is is, it's where it's heading. And one of the, you asked me a question about the streaming difference, the biggest streaming difference was we went from 42 minutes of content on, no, it's actually, yeah, it was 42 minutes of content on Freeform to literally to on, um, on Disney Plus, we went down to 30 minutes of content. Oh, is that true? And I, it makes a much stronger show for me because now you really like, it's, yeah. it's fast, it's you're furious. You're through it. But it's a great number. Yeah. It, you, it keeps your attention span for 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, you've got the hours, the two hours of television. They're gone in those days. Who wants to sit there for three hours and watch a live broadcast? It's not going to happen.
0: Well, congratulations to you. Um, congratulations to Anne, Carrie, everyone at Disney. Critical content. Yeah. I want, We want to shout out to Jenny Daly, critical content. Right, You guys are all partners in all of this. It was great to have you on. I'm telling you, I really wanted to get a perspective from a producer on television. And I think, you know, like the the thing to remember if you're out there is keep trying, keep producing things that you care about. Understand that the marketplace is wide open right now. Ideas, even if someone says you're going to fail at it or it's not a great idea,
1: yeah, just keep, pers- keep yeah, pushing you got to keep man. going, man. You can make your own show on YouTube. How about that? That's right. Or yeah. you
0: can make your own show on if YouTube now. If you're passionate <laughs> about it,
2: just keep pursuing your passion. It yeah. doesn't matter what you do. If you love it, you're going to succeed. You, I know it sounds crazy, but you are. It doesn't matter if it gets no viewers on YouTube. If you love doing it,
0: you've been successful. True. Does
2: that yeah. make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, thank you for being on. Thank you so much. Hopefully you'll come back again uh, when you've got your uh, new show, whatever the new show is, or if there's another season of Disney Weddings, which we hope there is. And um, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time on Let's Get Into It. Perfect. Cool. That was awesome. Thank you, Mike.